Father, thank you for the good word of God and the Holy Spirit that administrates it. Jesus, thank you for life. It is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly radiating on the inside of us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and we're building everything we are on Him. Last year we talked about knowing His person, super important. Uh, Knowing His works as well, why He came and then... Currently, we're looking at knowing his teaching and obeying him. So if you are new around here, we want you not only be able to hear the voice of the Lord, but we want you to be able to apply what he what he says to do. We want you to be able to walk it out and walk in truth. That's one of the major teachings of Jesus Christ is truth. Everything he said uh, is true. He was not a philosopher. Jesus uh, didn't deal in the way of philosophy and he wasn't an idealist either. Uh, He never said these things might be, you might check them out, try this, I think this is true. He never said that, he dealt in truth. So you come to terms with it. He deals in truth, and then we come to terms with what is true. So in John uh, 18.37, Jesus said, For this cause I was born, he's talking to Pilate, and for this cause I've come into the world that that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth... Here's my voice. And then Pilate says in verse 38, and uh, what is truth? Well, here's 1 John 5, 6. The Spirit is truth. I love that Pilate asked him that question, and what is truth? And he didn't answer. They carted him off, but thankful for the Apostle John. The Spirit is truth. So Jesus comes bearing witness of uh, truth. If you look it up in the Greek, it's, uh, the Greek word is aletheia. It means the real reality. It's divine, uh, comes from God, and uh, he's bearing witness of life in truth, life in the Spirit. And as a Christ follower, we don't deny that the natural is real. We just deny that the natural is all there is. There is a natural realm, but there's also a realm of the Spirit. And Jesus is telling Pilate, I'm here to give evidence and proof that there's an unseen realm whereby human beings can derive, everybody say derive, they can derive identity, uh, love, peace, joy. They can derive it from that realm that supersedes anything they're experiencing in the natural realm. That I'll grow things in their heart to the point they'll be able to say, greater is he that's within me than anything that's outside of me. So he's bearing witness of spirit. He's bearing witness of truth. Let's recap a little bit. How do we walk in truth? I want to live the real reality. I want to live the life that Jesus came to bear witness existed. We need a renewed mind. We need to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen, somebody. Not by feelings. Redeem spiritual disciplines from a new covenant perspective. We don't pray and fast and all those things because it makes us more holy. Those things allow us to really connect with the real reality, which is truth. We're just cutting off things in the natural. You notice that when we pray, what's our natural response with our eyes when we're praying? We close them. Why? Because we're cutting off a certain dimension that we can access this dimension, an unseen dimension that Jesus bore witness of that is very real, the realm of the Spirit. Uh, and then abiding, that's where we've left off. 
is if we're going to live the real reality, we need to learn how to abide in Christ. Let's do some Bible drill. John chapter 1 verse 4, talking about Jesus Christ. In him was life, that Zoe, and the life was the light of men. So this word in the Greek is the one he came bearing witness of to the woman at the well that we read during uh, worship time there in John chapter 4. He said, I'll put in, in that person a well, a fountain of life, Zoe, uh, or fountain of life, sorry, fountain of water, a wellspring that springs up into everlasting Zoe. Okay, and notice that this life that's in you is the light of men. Now that word is phos, P-H-O-S. It means divine illumination of God's very nature and his person. Look at John five twenty six. Jesus said, for as the father has life in himself, he's granted the son to have life in himself. So I said it earlier, the father, because he is ultimately uh, the possessor, originator of Zoe life, he doesn't need anything from us to be who he is. He has a divine, self-existent life, this wellspring that just comes and comes. Whether you have a, a good day or a bad day, He is who He is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus says the Father has this life in Him. He granted the Son to have the life in Him. And then John 10.10, 10, Jesus came not to hoard the life, but to share it. And then He had to do what first? Before He could put divine life in you, He had to clean you. The cross was the means... To an end, and that end was restoring the divine life of God back to humanity. John 6.53, Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. The word life there is Zoe. So I'm going to say it again. We didn't get religion. We didn't get a church membership. When you got born again, you got life. You got a life, the divine life of God that's in you. This is an overcoming life that weighs more, that has more value, more power than even the natural world. Now, is Jesus, when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, is he promoting cannibalism? No, he's not using, when he speaks, his words are not carnal. They're not natural. What are they? Spirit. He's speaking spirit. And he told him that in John 6, 63, but by then a bunch of them had already left. Verse 54, <laughs> whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal Zoe, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, abides in me, and I in him. That's why we're talking about abiding. Just live the reality of your oneness, your union with Christ. The wellspring is in you. Live from Him instead of what's going on outside of you. This is not outside in living. The Christian life is inside out. We carry the life of Christ into every venue. We are not succumbing to whatever's going on out here. It's inside coming outside. Give Him praise this morning. Amen. My flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh drinks my blood, lives in me, and I in them. And it's the Father, living Father, the living Zoe sent me. And I live because of the Father. Whoever feeds on me lives 
because of me. First John 5, 11. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. That Zoe and this Zoe life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. He didn't give you a commodity of life. He didn't give you a portion of something. When you got Christ, you got the life. It's not separate. The life of God is not separate from Christ. It is Christ. And Christ now lives in you, as you, through you. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It's no longer you that live. It's Christ that lives in you and through you. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope of God being revealed in the earth is God putting himself in you to reveal himself through you. Christianity is not the imitation of Christ that way after the flesh. It's the indwelling of the life of Christ in you. He's much better at being himself than you are. You can do nothing apart from him. You certainly don't reflect him very well apart from him. Amen. More on that later. So (laughs) you receive Zoe life the day you got born again. Zoe's a noun. And every day your life... Remember, it's like the Reebok pump on your shoe. You pump that thing. The Zoe life is pumping like a heartbeat within you, lifing you. Zoopeo is a verb. So you possess life. That's a noun. That's Christ himself in you. But Christ himself, Zoe, is now lifing you on a daily basis. He quickens, Romans 8.11 says, your mortal body. He quickens your thoughts. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's messing with you from the inside. <laughs> and when I say messing, I just mean he's, he's uh, inviting you. He's fixing you and inviting you to choose his choices. He won't choose for you, but he is uh, reverberating in you. Hey, walk this way. Choose me. Choose my choices. Now, this is important because we are what we eat. So feed on Christ. If you feed on the world, you're going to look just like the world. And that's a problem in the church. Been a problem for a while. It's why the world doesn't run to the church. I mean, think about it. Even those who are craving, all the young people craving spirituality, aren't running to the Christian church because they don't equate it with spirituality. Crazy. If you feed on offense, you will be offended. If you feed on grudges, you will... Hold a grudge. If you feed on hatred, you're going to be a hateful person. What if you feed on graciousness? What if you feed on love? What if you feed on a a Zoe life? You are what you eat because you're a branch. Jesus doesn't lie. And when He called you and I a branch, I'm not sure truer words could have ever been spoken, certainly more helpful words, because we can get that. We're going to reflect what we're feeding on. And listen, maybe maybe today you're doing great. You got up, you fed on Christ, you spent time with Him, you've been abiding, you live in the reality of your connection with Him. But guess what? You need to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> Man doesn't live on yesterday's manna. But by every word that proceeds, ongoing, present tense, relationship. You've heard me say, if you don't like worship, you won't like heaven. You hear me say that? If you don't like fellowshipping with God, you won't like heaven either. And I'll tell you right now, it's easier to hide here than it is there. 
God's will throughout eternity in heaven is fellowship. Worship, connection, oneness. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What's His desire for you here? Fellowship. Stop hiding. The only reason you're hiding is because you haven't, you haven't grasped that you're forgiven of all your sin. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the life of God in you if your sin weren't already paid for. That's why we hide. Touch your neighbor and say, we are what we eat. So you have a choice to make. You can be sourced by creation or you can be sourced by the creator. Do you hear me say that? Sourced by creation? This has happened before. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. The Lord God formed man the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that's when we stood up. Man became a living being. When? When we, when we got some oxygen? No, 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 no. The first thing we took into ourselves was the life of God. The life of God entered us and we stood up. We became a living being before we even took in air from this world. Before we took in oxygen from this world. We took in the breath of the living God. That's why we must abide in Him or we die. We must live connected to Him, not separate from Him. When God wanted fish, He spoke to the seas to bring forth fish. He wanted plants, He spoke to the earth, the soil, to bring forth plants. So plants must abide in soil or they're separated and they die. Fish must abide in water or they're separated and they die. When God wanted you, He spoke to Himself. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. According to its own kind is in Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2. My memory is failing me. Ten times from a verse, verse 11 to verse 24. I think it's, I think it's Genesis chapter 1. But according to its kind, according to its kind, the cattle, according to its kind, the grass, according to its kind, and then let us make man in our image. So you're a derivative being and you have to, you are designed to derive life from God, not the things of the natural world. They, they will only make you hungrier. They'll only make you thirst, more thirsty. That's what he's telling the woman at the well. She kept feeding on the natural world. He said, listen, sister, if you'll, if you'll drink what I'm offering, you'll never thirst again. Amen. It's like going to a fish and saying, try this and throwing him in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, amen. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not what? Eat. For in the day that you what? Eat of it, you'll die. Spiritual death is simply separation from God's life. This is super important. Spiritual death is separation from the life of God. It means you, you'll be cut off is what he's saying. You'll be severed from me and you'll surely die. Surely die, he's saying, here's what he's saying. If you act independent of me, you'll cut yourself off from true life and you will hunger again and again and again and it won't satisfy you. It'll be terrible. It'll be a horrible existence. It's like a fish putting his suit and tie on and walking up on the bank and saying, you know what? I'm declaring independence from water. I think I've had enough of that. Yeah, but buddy, you came from the water. 
doesn't matter. I know better. (laughs) Sounds fishy, doesn't it? (laughs) Why? That was good and you know it. If you you didn't like it, Roger said it. (laughs) Look at this. Why is he adamant that we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Why is he adamant? Because in the Garden of Eden, we ate and we died. Now we eat and we live. We ate and got ourselves into a mess. Now we eat and we get ourselves out of the mess. Jesus is inviting us once again. He is the tree of life. He was the tree of life in the garden. He's the one we're always supposed to be eating from. So he shows up and he says, guys, I'm going to restore the table. I'm going to, I'm going to reconnect you to the tree of life. Yep. That's why he's adamant that we feed on Him for life because 6,000 years ago we ate and we cut ourselves off from the life of God. Adam and Eve declared independence from God. They were made in God's image, right? God said that. He, he, he made, let us make man in our own image. But Satan said, if you'll eat of the tree, you'll be like God. You have to declare independence from God. That's how you can be like Him. That's a lie. We can't be like God without God. Hello, religion. Think about that. They declared independence. And when a branch declares independence from its life source, it dies. We had lost our source and our daily bread. We ate and we died. Now we eat so we can live. John 4, right? You'll never hunger and thirst again. John 6, you'll never hunger and thirst again. John 7, you'll never hunger and thirst again. He's making the point that I'm bringing back to you life and your life source that you're designed for. I want to thank Seth Gamez for this picture. When I was working on the message this week, I had an open vision in my office, and this is what I saw. So the one on the left is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you notice there's one apple on there. One. So when they ate of it, when you look back at the tree, there's nothing there but death. So fear and lack were the fruit of that tree. And why wouldn't it be? Take a look at it. You pluck the one fruit, nothing there. The other one, of course, is the, is the tree of life. So fear and lack came in the Garden of Eden. And uh, God came to Adam and said, where are you? And he wasn't asking for information. <laughs> Trying to help the guy. He said, well, we heard the sound of you walking in the garden and we were afraid because we were naked. And what did God say? Who told you that? Where did you derive that information? Your deriving is messed up because I never said that to you. Did you declare independence from me? We did. And so where did he get that? Where did Adam get the information? Out of his own intellect. He has now traded his human thinking for godly wisdom, godly perspective. He's now in himself. He's in his own perspective. He is, he is reduced to natural things. So he has a natural perspective. He is no longer deriving his view, his source for truth from God. It's his own conscience. It's his own knowledge of good and evil. He's stuck in himself. 
in his own resources. Oh, my goodness. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation, condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Where? In Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. (laughs) The law of the Spirit of life, that's Zoe, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So anytime you see the law, reference to the Old Testament law, those kind of things, just tack on there. Self-effort. The life of Christ in me. The fact that the Spirit of Christ is in me, quickening me, uh, pumping my Reebok sneaker. He's, he's pushing life in and through me. Because of this, I'm free from independent self-striving. I no longer have to try to be like God without God. You realize that was the purpose of the law. The Ten Commandments in no way could produce what the life of Christ in you can. The law was actually given so you would recognize that you're void of the life of Christ. That's why you can't keep them. Does that make sense? 1 Timothy 1.9, the law is good when it's used righteously. It's not for a born-again, Christ-filled human being. The law is to reveal to the sinner that he's void of life, that he can't not commit adultery. He can't not steal all those things without the divine life of Christ in him. So what this means is we're free from self-effort. We're free from self-determination. All I am now, I am in Christ. I no longer have to determine who Steve's going to be. Christ determined it for me. I'm a born again child of God. That's my identity. I thought you're a pastor. Nope. That's just a role and a function I play in the body of Christ. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. And I'll be that until I'm a hundred years old. I may not pastor, you know, another year, 30 years. I don't know. I'm just saying my identity is not what I do. My identity is in Christ. I'm free from self-determination. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus inside of me has made me free from the law of self-striving, self-effort, and self-determination. Everything I am, I'm deriving from Him. Somebody give God praise in this house. That's good news. The law of the spirit supersedes the law of you performing for God's favor. You don't have to perform anymore. He's in you. You can't get closer than that. So if you're somehow working for God so He'll like you and come to hang out with you, you're deceived. If you're born again, He's in you. You ever prayed that prayer? Oh God, I got a tough day tomorrow. Please be with me. And He's like, dude, I'm inside you. (laughs) I've already reconciled you. We're one. Take me into your tough day tomorrow. I'll pump your Reebok sneakers full of life. I'll be the words in your mouth. I'll be the love in your heart. Come on, amen, somebody. The Old Testament law was never meant to, nor could it do what the life of Christ in you can. The Old Testament law wasn't given to impart life to you, but rather show you you are void of life. Now, having received the life... The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from performing for him. The law put a demand on you to perform it. 
And if you're honest, you didn't have the life and power to perform the law. It'd be no different than me saying, Robert, I need you to lift 1,200 pounds. Got it? Get to work. All of us, we're going to bench press 1,200 pounds. We can't do it. The law was given to show you you can't do it. And that God says, my solution is, I'm going to put, you know, Dwayne Johnson in you. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever, whatever century you're from. <laughs> whoever your bodybuilder hero is. <laughs> we can't... We. We, the law showed us we can't bench press 1,200 pounds. What are we going to do? You know what? Instead of saying, oh, God, help me, have mercy on me, I need you. I need a different source of life and strength that I do not possess. I need you. I humble myself before you. God opposes the proud and the independent, but he gives grace, his power, his presence, his spirit, his life to the humble. So the 1,200 task was to humble you so you would depend on Him, which is what we should have done in the Garden of Eden from day one. Depend on Him. Rely on Him. He's not expecting you to perform all this. He's performing it in you through the life of Christ if you'll let Him. You have a part to play, and it's called let. L-E-T. Let, 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 let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amen. I love that statement. God didn't leave this for all of us to do. He's doing it. By His life inside us. Through our simple participation that we call faith and receptivity. That's what faith is. Believing in, adhering to, relying on fully, trusting in completely. We're deriving. Faith is deriving life from the proper source. And, and, and I grew up in religion, like many of us, where we just try harder. Independence will kill you. You cannot live independent and just ask God to bless it and sign off on it. He opposes the proud and the independent and gives grace to the humble. So what we do, instead of being like, oh God, help me, I humble myself before you, you know what we do on the 1,200 pound task? We're like, yeah, but I can lift 200 pounds. Right? And Tommy can only lift 100. So clearly God would love me because I'm better than Tommy. <laughs> Welcome to the world of the Pharisees. You just join a select elect club. Yeah, I can't lift 1,200, God, but I can lift 200, and that's more than Tommy. Have you ever seen those shows on YouTube where they, they go out and they interview the, the humans on college campuses and all that? What's their answer about going to heaven? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good enough. In my mind, I'm good. There's none good but God. You cannot be like Him without Him. The standard is not Tommy. No offense, Tommy. (laughs) The standard is not Tommy. The standard is Jesus Christ. That's the standard. So if you compare yourself to Him, He'll humble you. If you compare yourself to everybody else, you'll either tank in self-defeat or you'll exalt yourself in self-righteousness. And despise everybody who doesn't keep the rules as good as you do. 
It's not about rules, it's about relationship. I can lift more than that guy. Well, Scripture says if you break the law in one instance, you're guilty of breaking all of it. So humble yourself. God is holier than you think He is. And your, your religious works don't count for jack squat compared to how holy He is. If, if there's going to be any... Can I say jack squat? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> He's out of control. The standard... <laughs> The standard is God's holiness, and He's holier than you think He is. You can't go into His presence unless He makes you worthy to come in. And He did through the blood of His Son. But the blood of the Son was only a precursor. It was only a means to an end to put His life back on the inside of you. And I'm going to show that to you here in just a moment. Let me show you this. Religion is deadly. It's our own human response and effort toward God. It's what we do independently toward God and other people based on what we think, feel, and believe about God. That's religion, and there's a bunch of them. Relationship is living from Christ's divine life within. We are not trying to improve the old us. We are brand new. We are alive. We are not who we used to be. We are in Christ. He is in us. Abiding is simply daily living the reality of our union with Him. Your abiding doesn't cause the connection. Your abiding is living the reality of the connection He gave you. Does that make sense? Abiding is not you causing some connection. It's you participating with the connection Jesus Christ gave you in your humility when you received it. And in the same way you received Him from day one as Savior, walk ye in Him. Can I get a witness on that? I'll prove it to you in the Bible. Galatians 5.25 If we live or made alive in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Colossians 2.6 I am playing basketball now. I'm telling you, I'm trying to get in shape. I don't like all this heavy breathing. Colossians 2.6 As you therefore have what? How did you get Him? You received Him. So walk in Him. Walk in receptivity. You began the journey receiving. Keep receiving. Because otherwise you go back to the garden, do a big piece of stupid, declare yourself independent from the only one that can give you life. And and I'm, I'm serious. There may not be anything more deadly to Christ followers than our successes after the flesh. Where we do something in our own strength, our own ability, and then it works out okay, so we think God signed off on it. How about this one? John 1, 12. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right, literally the power to become children of God to those who believe in His name. So He's he's providing you the, the life, the power, the might to live as His child. It's not a one-time receiving. It was a one-time new birth. But now we're going to live from faith to faith Deriving to deriving and receiving to receiving because that's what good branches do. Can I get a witness on that? Romans 1.17 says, In essence, we live from start to finish by faith. Faith comes by hearing and totally believing what God and His Spirit says. That's faith. Unbelief comes from the natural realm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the Word of God. That word is rhema, not logos. It's not the thought of God that appeared It's a relational word, God speaking directly to you. So when He releases a personal word to you, it ignites faith in you. He even gave you the faith to even believe Him with. It's amazing. 
He's provided everything that pertains to life, Zoe, and godliness. So, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It comes out of the unseen realm because God is unseen, but He speaks spirit. Amen? The spirit is the truth. Unbelief comes from the natural realm, our natural reasoning, the knowledge of good and evil, our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own experiences. When we're deriving what is true from ourselves apart from God, we're in trouble. I'm telling you, fear and worry and anxiety are coming right behind Just go back to the garden. (laughs) The fruit of our disconnect and doing life on our own is fear and hiding. It's still the fruit today. Without faith and receptivity, it's impossible to please God. Because when we're not of faith, we go back to independent living and separation that leads to death. And when I say that, I'm not talking about you're no longer saved. Your spirit is ever connected. One-third of you is heaven-ready, people. One-third of you is signed, sealed, and delivered because the Holy Spirit, who is the uh, guarantee of your inheritance, is in your spirit. There's a union in your spirit. Your soul and body need a lot of work. Amen. So what we're doing when we're abiding and we're living the reality of our connection is we're allowing our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and our body to be connected to uh, the spirit and life of Christ that's in us. That's what I'm talking about. We're not made for independent living. Look at Romans 14, 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he doesn't eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Adam and Eve sinned. Why? Because they didn't believe what God had said, that they were made in his image. And then he said, don't eat of this tree. Don't declare independence. And they did it anyway. Does that make sense? Any Faith is deriving from what God approves of. Behavior not derived from what God says and what God approves of is sin. And that's why without faith it's impossible to please God. Right there. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith it's impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is, yes, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How about Hebrews 11.1 Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And Jesus told Pilate, What? I'm here to bear witness of what? The truth. I'm here to bear witness of life in the Spirit. So faith accesses the unseen realm. That's why we walk by faith, not by what we see. And so what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us, Grace Church, is I'm trying to shift what you've been feeding on. You're trying to still live by natural things. Live a life in the Spirit. Having begun in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Having been made alive as a child of God by the Spirit, let us continue on in the Spirit. I love this. Evidence of the unseen realm is faith. So your, your participation with the real reality is faith. It's not just believing that Jesus died on the cross. Romans 10 doesn't, doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and then believe that Jesus died for you, you're saved. It says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God, what? raised him from the dead, then you'll be lifed. Why did he say that? 
Because the life is in the resurrection. It's the new life of Christ made alive in you that's already defeated what? Sin. What's the fruit of sin? Separation. When he died on the cross for you, he killed everything that separated you from the life of God. He killed it. You got to see this. This is super important. He put to death in himself. Did he become sin? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin. He became sin. He became separated. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's in there to show the reality that he became sin. He is now separated from the life of God. What's the rest of verse 21? 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus became sin, which is separation from God, and he killed it. He killed everything that separated you from the life of God. And we still wander around down here like, are we really okay? Are we really right? You want to know why? Because you're self-righteous. You look to yourself to feel like you're okay with God. It's a self-based righteousness instead of a Christ-based righteousness. The reality is that you're lifed with the very life of the Son. Now, when you do a big piece of stupid, you're like me, I regret it. Okay? I regret it. Why? Because the life of the Son is in me. I'm a slave of righteousness. I have a bent towards doing God's will because I'm a new creation. But I just think that's utter great and fantastic news that Jesus put to death everything that separated you from the life of God that day. Now, sin still has effect. You sow sin into your marriage, you can kill it. Okay? It has consequences in the natural realm. But in the Spirit, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody? Last one. Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, having now been justified, okay, declared right in the court of law by His blood, we're going to be saved from wrath through Him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled, made one with God through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, are we saved by His life? So 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. The world. God was where? In Christ. Where were you the day Jesus was crucified? In Christ. So that's verse 10. We were enemies of God, but we met God. We were made one with Him in the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. God was in Christ. He wasn't aloof somewhere. He was in Christ. And then, by faith, we were placed in Christ. And we were reconciled to God that day through the death of His Son. Why? Because when Jesus became sin and He became death and He became separation, it allowed you and I to be reconciled to God. It was a just and fair payment. Because He he was without sin. Does that make sense? But look look at the rest of verse 10. How much more? Everybody say, how much more? 
having been reconciled, made one with him, we're now saved by his life. Well, I thought I was saved by the cross. Oh, no, you weren't. You're saved by his life. That word is Zoe. And you're saved from wrath every day. And you're saved from unforgiveness every day. You're saved from hating your neighbor every day. How are you saved? By his life. Instead of wearing crosses on necklaces, we should wear empty tombs. Because it's his life that saves you. It's his life that saves you from all the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5.19. Guess what else you're saved from? Independent living. Guess what else you're saved from? Sourcing yourself. Guess what else you're saved from? Trying to come up with your own identity about who you are. You think anybody in our culture is confused about their identity these days? Why? They have cut themselves off from the source. He's our source for identity. So he saved you from identity theft. He saved you from confusion. He saved you from independent living. He saved you from sourcing yourself. He saved you from bitterness. He saved you from hatred. He saved you from lust overtaking you every single day. How do we have the power to not lust, not fall prey to greed, not fall prey to anger and hatred? How do we have the power? His life! Go back to the 1,200-pound dumbbell. It was only there to show you you can't do any of these things. You'll be mastered by them unless you have the life of the Son of God living and triumphing through you. Amen. Go ahead and give him praise. It's all right. I love it. Saved by his life. Matt, you guys can come. You were made clean by the cross and purchased out of slavery at the cross. Amen, somebody? But guess who else was? The whole world. He purchased the whole world out of slavery and made them clean by the cross. But is everybody just going to be reconciled to God and go to heaven now? What do they, what's the requirement? Life. Life, life, life. They've been cleansed. The payment's been, uh, been paid. But we have to apply it by faith and receive the life of the Son. Listen to this. I have everything God requires for me to be with Him forever. I have everything in me that God requires for me to fellowship with Him for all of eternity. I don't have to live by the cross. I live by his life. That's what sozos me. I'm alive. I once was dead. But I'm alive in Christ Jesus. His life saves you every day from the deeds of the flesh because he absorbed sin, separation, death, whatever word you want to use. He absorbed it in himself on the cross so that you and I could be made right with God. Brother Don, we were talking this week and he said, you know, as you abide and you live the reality of the Christ life that's in you, it produces ways and it produces works as a byproduct. So what's the key for us? Abiding. Living the real reality. But we need to become people of the Spirit. Faith to faith, deriving to deriving, receiving to receiving. That's how we live. As his branches. Amen. Will you stand with me? Amen. I heard that. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, maybe you prayed this prayer earlier during worship. And you said, Brother Steve, today I received the life of Jesus Christ into my heart. I have been made brand new. If that was you, we definitely want to visit with you. Tell somebody about your decision to be lifed by Christ. But if you're here this morning, you've not made that decision. I want to offer that. Make it available. If you'd say, Brother Steve, I know that I'm dead. I've lived separate from the vine. I want to be born again. I want to be lifed by the spirit and life of Christ himself. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I'm receiving Christ today. Anyone? Anyone? Gathered church, if you're here and you'd say, Brother Steve, I'm tired of self-striving. I want the law of the spirit of life in Christ to set me free from all my self-effort. I really want to grow in abiding, living connected on a daily basis. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me this week? This is, this is what's in my heart. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, bless each and every one. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we invite you now to quicken them all week long that I want to live from receiving to receiving, Lord. Abiding to abiding, deriving to deriving. For that is what is faith. That's what faith is. My connection to the unseen realm of your spirit, your voice, and your truth. Boy, I feel that this morning. Our connection to your unseen voice, spirit, and truth. So Holy Spirit, just quicken each one. Remind them. May we each take opportunity to continue to grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, give Him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. He's growing us up, guys. That's what's happening. Now, here's my ask for today. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. If you're not confident in hearing the Lord's voice through Scripture, I ask that you read this passage this week, Romans 8, 1 and 2, and simply say, what does this Scripture reveal about God and His nature to me? What do I see? Secondly, if you do know His voice, read the passage and ask the Lord what He wants to share with you and write it down. Thirdly, if you know how to eat the Word, then eat the passage, Romans 8, 1 and 2, and then share your letter with somebody. Let's be active in being doers of the Word. Amen? We don't want... I assure you God didn't release this message this morning out of boredom. God wants us to get what He's saying, to walk with Him, partner with Him. Lastly, I want to say we're going to, we're, we're going to sing this worship song together. If you have questions, you need connection, you need help, or you need prayer. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.